All right. Praise God. How's everybody doing? How is everyone doing on today? How's everybody doing? Great, great. Praise God. I want to thank you guys for your patience, um, for hanging in there with us on today. We had some uh, technical difficulties with the Zoom app, but God is good. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, we want to thank God for our media team, Brother Darnell, Sister Zipporah. Can you guys just give them uh, a Zoom hand clap or a Facebook hand clap for um, stressing out and almost pulling all their hair out uh, so that we could get online today? Uh, we want to thank God for all of you for hanging in there with us. Uh, hopefully we don't have these issues in the future. Uh, but sometimes with technology, uh, there's nothing you could do. Um, but we want to thank God for you guys for uh, waiting in there with us. Uh, thank God for our worship team. Thank God for Evangelist Davis with the word of the week. And at this time, we want to go right into the word of God. But before we do so, uh, let us have a word of prayer for just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, for us just to come together and gather, uh, maybe not in person, uh, but just to gather through uh, technology so we can lift up your name. God, we ask, Lord, that you open our hearts, open our minds, Lord, that you allow us, God, to see the scriptures as you see fit for us to see them, God. Uh, give us the insight and the revelation that is necessary uh, in this season. And God, we give you all the praise, we give you all the honor, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise God. I'm going to be coming from the book of 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Uh, many of you um, that have been following us, you know that we've been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians for the last few weeks. Uh, so we're going to continue to do that on today. Uh, as you can see on the screen, the title of this message is A Scandalous Church. Uh, we're going to be coming from 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read the whole entire chapter in its entirety. Uh, and then from there, we will uh, revisit uh, a few verses and a few key points uh, in the scriptures. Uh, when you guys get there, just say amen in the comments. Let me let me see an amen if you get there when you're there. Let me see an amen when you are there. Praise God. First uh, Corinthians, the fifth chapter, starting at the first verse. All right. Praise God. Sister Kimberly, I see your amen there. All right. Sister Bertha, I see you. Praise God. And it says here, it is widely reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are arrogant. Shouldn't you be filled with grief and remove from your congregation the one who did this? Even though I am absent in the body, I am present in spirit. As one who was present with you in this way, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as indeed you are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sanctified. Therefore, let us observe the feast not with old leaven or with the leaven of malice and envy, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with the sexual and moral people. I did not mean immoral people of this world or the greedy and the swindlers 
or the idolaters. Otherwise, I would have to leave the world. But I actually, I wrote you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. Woo. For what business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. This is a tough scripture, y'all, but uh, like I told you, we're going to deal uh, throughout the whole entire book with some controversy uh, and uh, we're going to hit some hard points here in this text, but uh, I believe that it is for uh, the edification of the church, but it is also uh, out of love uh, and it is in the book. Uh, and sometimes you have to preach things that are in the book uh, that may be tough, but I believe that this is going to be good for our soul. Uh, the title of this message is A Scandalous Church. A Scandalous Church. Uh, one thing that we know about the Corinth church is that they were one of the most talented and gifted churches out of all of the churches that Paul writes to in the New Testament. Uh, when it came to the spiritual gifts, uh, there was uh, no lack in the Corinth church. When it came to uh, being uh, full of the spirit and being jovial and being uh, charismatic, uh, this was the church to go to. However, Paul comes here in the first verse and he begins to share with them uh, that it is reported that there is sexual immorality among them, uh, which shares something with us that sometimes you can be gifted, but still be jacked up. Uh, and what has happened here in this first verse is that Paul is all the way in Ephesus, uh, but he does not get word of how spiritually gifted they are. Uh, but he gets word of how sexually immoral they are, uh, which tells us uh, that the bad uh, is outweighing the good of the church. Uh, and what this also shares with us is no matter how gifted you are, no matter how anointed you are, God still wants a holy and a pure church. And he prefers a moral, ethical, loving, godly, holy church over a gifted, charismatic, powerful, uh, joyous church. Uh, all of those things are wonderful. All of those things are great. Uh, but if we are not living a life that is pleasing to God, then all of those gifts mean nothing. Uh, and it's a terrible thing uh, when the church is so jacked up that the world is looking at the church like they're crazy. Uh, so when you go here to the first verse, Paul says uh, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. The unbelievers are even looking at the church in Corinth like they are out of control. And it shows us that their sinful nature has overshadowed all of their spiritual giftings. Uh, and what we have to be careful of is being so consumed with the gifts uh, that we overlook the righteousness that God is looking for from us. Oh, I'm talking in here. I'm, I'm, I know y'all like, man, this is getting ready to get tough. Uh, but I, I, I want you to understand that as matter, no matter how gifted we are, if we are not living holy, then God is not pleased with our church. Uh, 
Right? And in this season, uh, we have flipped it upside down to where we're more concerned with gifts than we are with morality. And we overlook certain sinful things in the church uh, because uh, the giftings are so powerful uh, and the giftings are so wonderful uh, that we will overlook certain messes uh, so that we can have the look and the presentation that the world wants. But we fail to understand that the world is laughing at us. So he says here that it is reported that there is sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, I want to stop right there. Uh, some of you have the King James Version. Uh, the, the CSB says sexual immorality, but the King James says fornication. Um, that there's some fornication amongst a man with his father's wife. And notice how he says his father's wife, which tells us that he is uh, he's not sleeping necessarily with his biological mother, but he's sleeping with his stepmother. Now, this this is messed up, uh, so messed up that the Gentiles are saying, man, what in the world is going on? In that church. Now, I don't have all the ins and outs and all the, the, the details, uh, but the fact that the scripture says that there is fornication and not adultery tells us that something must have happened between the father and that wife. Uh, maybe the son seduced the mom uh, or the wife uh, and she left her husband, which was his father, and they got together. Regardless of what had happened, this was a mess that was going on in the house of God. And the people were so caught up in their gifts that they overlooked the mess that was going on in the church. We're going to go somewhere in a minute. Uh, 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 we we want to love everybody. Uh, we, 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 we want, we want peace in our church, but one thing you have to understand is that if you allow certain things to creep into the church and not deal with it, it can become cancerous to the ministry. Uh, so Paul now has to come in the fifth chapter and deal with something that will be cancerous if the church does not deal with it. So he comes in the second verse and he says, and you are arrogant. This mess is going on. And you guys are so arrogant in yourself that you're not dealing with the issue that is right there under your eyes. Shouldn't you be filled with grief? The word grief there means to mourn as if someone had died. And when there are certain things going on in our churches and certain things going on in the body of Christ, it should mourn us to the point to where we understand that if we don't get rid of it, it will have a huge burden on our ministry. And Paul is looking at them saying, you guys should be crying and mourning because this can hurt the whole situation or the whole uh, representation of the body of Christ. He says, and you should remove from your congregation the one who did this. Even though I am absent in the body, I am present in spirit as one who is present with you in this way. I have already pronounced judgment on the one who has been doing such a thing. What Paul is saying here in the third verse is I'm all the way in Ephesus. And I don't even need to be there to know what you guys need to do with the mess that's going on in your church. He's saying I'm already at Ephesus and I've already made my judgment that this type of going on shouldn't be happening in the house of the Lord. And you don't need me to be there to know that this isn't right. Fourth verse, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, I am with you in spirit. 
with the power of our Lord Jesus. And what he is saying here in the fourth verse is not only am I here with you in spirit, but you also have to understand that Jesus is there. And one thing that will stunt the presence of God in our churches is when we allow certain things to creep in and we don't deal with it. Say that again. Uh, some things that one thing we have to understand is that we will stunt the presence of God in our churches if we don't deal with certain issues and allow them to grow without confronting them. So now he goes here in the fifth verse and he says, hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. I want to work here with this fifth verse. He's saying, you got this going on in your church. You got this mess going on. You need to get them out of there. And not only do you need to get them out of the church, but you need to hand them over to Satan. Watch this. Not for the destruction of their spirit, but for the destruction of their flesh. Watch this. Satan doesn't have permission to touch your soul. He can touch your flesh, but he can't touch your soul. I'll give you an example. You remember in the book of Job, how when Job presented himself or when the the angels of the sons of God presented themselves uh, amongst God, uh, Satan came amongst them. And he says, if you take your hand off of him, he says he will curse you to your face. And God says you can touch anything but his soul. And Job's flesh was touched, but his soul was never touched. And what Paul is saying is give them over to Satan. Satan will touch their flesh, but Satan won't touch their soul. I'm so glad that even in my mess, God still cares about my soul. That even in all of our trials and tribulations and times that we come short of God, that God still loves and cares for our soul. So what we see here is that what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is hand him over. Because what you have to understand is that sin will take a toll on your flesh. And after a while, when it takes a toll on your flesh, either two things happen. The wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is life and there has to be repentance. He's not saying that he can't come back into the church, but he's saying hand him over. And if he belongs to God, when he keeps on taking a whooping and a beating, he'll recognize his wrong. He'll repent. And then you can let allow him to come back into the fellowship of the church. There are certain times and I got to deal with this today, but there are certain times that you may have to excommunicate people from the church that are not willing to change. I got to go here. The purpose of the church is to draw sinners in but the purpose of the church is not to tolerate sin meaning that you can come in a sinner but the word is supposed to transform you so that you don't keep the same lifestyle of sin but when you allow the same lifestyle to overtake you without any transformation then we can't allow that to stick in our churches or else you will become a cancer and a flaw and an issue to the church so sometimes as much as we love people we have to remove ourselves from people because they will be a cancer to your soul Paul is saying, in order for you guys to prosper, watch this, in order for you to grow, you got to remove people. (laughs) Say this again. In order for you to grow, you have to remove people. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, God. How are we going to grow if you're telling us 
to remove people. Because growth isn't always about numbers. Growth is about spiritual progression and maturity in Christ. And we can have a whole lot of numbers, but if we are not maturing in Christ, then we are nothing but a head count. Y'all with me? We, we, We can have a thousand people, but if we are not growing and maturing in Christ, then we have nothing but a thousand people. So what Paul is saying is Corinthian, Corinthian Church of Corinth, if y'all want to grow, you got to remove some things so that I can grow you healthy. So he says, hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Watch this. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Sometimes disconnecting yourself from people is actually helping them. Sometimes removing certain issues out of the church is helping the church and not only just helping the church, but it's also helping that person. They don't see it initially. You don't feel it initially. But sometimes separation is necessary in order for God to do the work in them and that they will come back and be an asset to the ministry. Sixth verse, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough? Some of y'all probably heard this one before. One rotten apple spoils the bunch. And that's what Paul is saying here, is that when we tolerate certain things, it begins to spoil the whole entire congregation. When we allow and tolerate certain things, We allow that thing to now infiltrate the congregation. When we tolerate gossiping, when we tolerate backbiting, when we tolerate issue sexual immorality, when we tolerate those things and we overlook them like it's not a problem, don't you understand that that eventually will have a huge effect on the church? So what Paul is saying is you got to remove it in order for the church to grow healthy. Seventh verse, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new leaven batch as indeed you are. We're going to go somewhere in a minute. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Man, I, I want to park here for just a couple minutes. You can't take old things into new places. Say that again. You can't take old things into the new places where God is trying to take you. Can I walk you guys through the text for just a couple minutes? Whenever God is getting ready to do a new thing, he always speaks to that person and tells them to get rid of any influence from their past. You guys remember a man by the name of Abraham in Genesis 12? In Genesis 12, the Lord tells him to remove himself from his country, to remove himself from his kindred, and to go into a land that he will show him. Move away from your country, move away from your kindred, into a land that I will show you. You have to move away from anything that will try to influence you away from where I'm trying to take you. 
Help me, Holy Ghost. And there are times in our life where God is allowing or he's trying to make us separate, not because he's trying to hurt us, but he's trying to take us into a new place. But what did Abraham do? Abraham got in his feelings. And when Abraham got in his feelings, what did he do? He took his nephew Lot with him. And what happened? Lot became a cancer. Lot became the old leaven. Lot became the thing that stunted Abraham's growth. Lot became the nephew of confusion. And what do we see? We see eventually there's a clashing of heads between Lot and Abraham over his cattle and over Abraham's cattle. But the question that we have to ask is who did all the cattle belong to in the first place? Which tells us that Abraham ended up sharing things with Lot that he never would have had to share if he didn't bring Lot with him. And sometimes you're giving yourself to people that you never would have gave yourself to if you would have separated yourself in the season where God was trying to take you. So now we see here that he now tells him to remove himself. And when he removes himself, the Bible says God tells him to look up. And he says, you see those stars? As many of those stars you see shows to be your seed upon the face of the earth. Watch this. When you're connected to the wrong people, your clarity and your vision is misconstrued. And Abraham could not see his destiny connected to people that weren't supposed to go with him. And what will stunt the vision of ministry is allowing people to be connected to us that God doesn't want connected to us. So you can't see your way out because you have doubt. You can't see yourself moving forward because you have somebody with you that can't see themselves moving forward. So they start questioning you. Why are you doing that? Why are you buying that? Why are you going back to school? Why are you doing that? And the reason why they're trying to hold you back is because they can't go forward. So they find joy in restraining you from getting to your destiny because they have no destiny. And God is saying, that's why I wanted you removed from them. So now Abraham's vision is clearer because he removes himself from someone that God told him not to take with him into his new season. Can we keep talking? In the book of Joshua, Joshua, the sixth chapter, the walls of Jericho had fallen down. God had done a miraculous miracle. He had told the children of Israel to do something that made no sense. Walk around the city six times and on the seventh day, blow your trumpets and make a noise and the walls are going to fall flat on their face. It made no sense, but they did it. They go in and they conquer Jericho. But God says, this is what I want. I want you to leave all of their spoils and all of their things behind. Destroy the city and take nothing with you. Because I don't want anything from an idolatrous country to come in to the blessed place. So leave it behind. And sometimes God wants us to leave things behind, but we draw it with us. And the Bible says in the seventh chapter, they go and they go to fight the land called the land of Ai. And when they go and fight in the land of Ai, they lose this battle. Ai wasn't even a large land. They didn't even have a lot of soldiers, but they found themselves losing a battle that they should have won. 
and they go back to Joshua and say, Joshua, what happened? You told us in Joshua 1 that everywhere that our foot shall tread upon, God would give it to us. You told us that God told you that if we meditate on the laws of the Lord, that he will give us great success and we will prosper. And the Lord had to speak to Joshua and say, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. There's old leaven that you bought in to your new place. And they went all around the camp. This is Joshua 7, if you want to read it this week. They went all around the camp. And when they went around the camp, they found a man by the name of Achan who had taken possessions of a land that God told them to leave behind. You will lose spiritual battles when you allow yourself to bring things with you that God told you to leave behind. Oh, but God, she's so pretty. (laughs) But God, he's so handsome. Oh, but God, I was making so much money doing that. And now you're trying to draw that into the new place and it just ain't working out. Not only is it not working out, but you just keep finding yourself hitting walls. You keep finding yourself falling flat on your face. And the reason why is because you're trying to bring something that God wants to deliver you from with you into your new place. This Corinthian church back to first Corinthians five, we're already dealing with a whole lot of issues. Paul spent the first, the second and the third chapter dealing with division in the church. And the last thing they need now with division in the church is sexual immorality. What Paul is saying is I'm trying to deliver y'all from having favorite preachers and, 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 and favorite spokesmen and focusing on Jesus. And now you're going to allow this to come into the church too. The devil is a liar. Get it out. And now we go to the seventh verse and he says, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new leaven batch as indeed you are. Watch this. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? You have to understand that whenever they made bread in those days, what they would do is they would take a portion of the dough, put it in water, allow it to get sour. And then when they would bring new dough in, they would take the old dough, mix it with the new dough so that the bread would get puffed. Leaven symbolizes sin. And what the God wanted the children of Israel to do when they were coming out of Egypt was not to bring any old leaven. And what he was saying is, don't bring any of the old Egyptian bread with you into this promise. Leave their food behind. So the children of Israel took bread that was unleavened, meaning that they did not allow it to be uh, 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 messed up or or confused or uh, uh, molested with the old leaven. They took New leaven and didn't mix it with anything and went on the run following Christ. And what he is saying here is don't bring old leaven into the new leaven that I'm trying to give you. But take the old leaven and run with it. Eighth verse, therefore, let us observe the feast, not with old leaven or with the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity In truth, 
I love this ninth verse. I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. I did not mean immoral people of this world or the greedy. It's easy for us to separate with folks that we don't deal with anyway. It's easy for us to judge the world and say they're going to hell. But how easy is it for us to step in the face of those that we love and fellowship with and tell them that they're wrong? Paul is saying, stop wasting your time talking about the world going to hell. Deal with the folks that are saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled in your church that is in mess and confront that. So he says, I didn't send you out here to deal with the world. Watch this, Uh, because they're greedy. They're swindlers and they're idolaters. There are three things that symbolize all sin. They're greedy, which means that they sin against themselves. They're swindlers, which means that they sin against others. And they're idolaters, which means that they sin against God. They're all messed up. But that's not who I want you to deal with. 11th verse, but I actually wrote, You, not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral, self-gratification, or greedy, self-gratification, or idolater who sins against God, or verbally abusive who sins against others, or a drunkard who sins against themselves or others, or a swindler who sins against others. Do not eat with such a person. Because if they're willing to sin against God and they're willing to sin against others and they're willing to sin against themselves, then they're definitely willing to sin against you. We know what the world does. But the last thing that we want to do is allow the church to be a reflection of the world. Be ye not conformed to the things of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conform is when the outward influence influences us. Transforming is when the inward influences the outward outward parts of us. So we're supposed to be transformers, not conformers. And when we see a church that is conforming and not transforming, It's a church that needs rebuke and it's a church that needs correction. And sometimes we have to even ask, is it even a church? Or is it a social club? Or is it a boy scout? Or is it a girl scout? Oh, it's quiet in here. I ain't getting too many amens, but it's all right. We got to be careful not to allow the influences of the world to infiltrate the church and destroy the foundation that God has allowed us to build upon. For what business is it of mine judge, to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are in, inside? God judges the outsiders. Watch this. Don't worry about the outsiders. God will judge them. Remove the evil person that is among you. We're not worrying about what the world is doing. We're worrying about what's going on around us. 
And what we have to do is we have to remove those things. I know this is a harsh word today, but we got to remove those things around us that will replace us or change us or maneuver us from going where God wants us to go. Churches who refuse to address sin, watch this, are negating the promises of God. Say that again. A church that refuses to address sin is a church that is negating the presence of God. We want the presence like we say we want. Then there are certain things we cannot allow to be tolerated or else we negate his presence. The church is open to accepting sinners but we will not allow them to be comfortable with being sinners. The door is open for anyone that wants to call upon the name of the Lord. But what we're not going to do is tolerate and celebrate things that are not pleasing in the presence of God. I'm going to give you my three points and I'm going to sit down, y'all. We went a little later than usual today, and I thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Uh, But I want to give you these three points. Uh, Maybe next Sunday we can holler and jump. It's a little tough. When a church tolerates sin, it's in bad shape. When you allow certain things to infiltrate into the church, it spreads like a wildfire, and the church becomes cancerous, and then the church gets into a shape and into a place that it will only take the power of God to fix. Number two, discipline is a part of the church. I I, 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 I can park here. I can park here um, and talk about this all day. Let me help y'all. There's a difference between church discipline and church abuse. And we have to separate the two. There are people that are abusing God's people. And there are people that are chastening and disciplining God's people. We have to know the difference. Chastening and discipline is done with love. Abuse is not done with love. And what we have is we have people spiritually abusing people and hiding behind being a disciplinarian. There's a way that I discipline my children that lets them know that I still love them. And then there's another way where I can abuse them and mess up their whole mindset. And they'll spend 20 and 30 years trying to unravel the abuse that I did to them. Leaders are going to take account for the spiritual abuse that they have done hiding behind being church disciplinarians. You have not disciplined people. You have done more harm than any good. Number three. Unchecked sin can divide and paralyze a church. Unchecked sin can divide and paralyze a church. If you don't address it, 
it will spread and it will ruin the church. So we got to call it out. And what Paul was doing here was he saying, it's not okay. Y'all just all right with this man bringing his mama, his stepmama into the church? Y'all, 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 y'all just all right with this, knowing what's going on? You're so caught up in your spiritual gifts and you're so caught up in tongues and prophecy and all of that. And you fail to understand that none of that is reaching God. None of that means anything. If the church is not in a place spiritually and in, in a place where their heart is right towards God, there's a whole lot of gifted folks, a whole lot of spiritual gifted folks, a whole lot of folks that can preach us under a table that pray just like they got all the power in the world, but it doesn't reach God because their hearts aren't right. And I'd rather have a right heart with God than a gifted church that God doesn't hear and it isn't effective and numbers mean nothing. If there's no spiritual maturity, father, we thank you for meeting us here on today. Thank you Lord for this word. God tough word, God, but God, you told me to go through Corinthians and uh, we had to do it today. (laughs) Uh, Father, we ask Lord that you touch uh, each person that is on this line on tonight. God, we ask God that you, uh, If you see anything that is in us, God, that is unlike you, God, we ask God that you remove those things. We ask God that you uh, give us a heart check. Allow us, God, to understand, God, what you need from us in this season. Don't allow us, God, to stay connected to things that are unlike you, God. Allow us, God, to call it out, to separate from those things and to be what you have called us to be. And Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor and we give you all the glory. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.